Today's episode of Recapables Westworld on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by World Central Kitchen. Their relief team is working across America to safely distribute individually packaged fresh meals in communities that need support. They're now serving tens of thousands of meals daily in some of our biggest cities like New York and L.A., and they're launching initiatives across America to deliver fresh, hot meals to hospitals and clinics fighting on the front lines while keeping local restaurants in business as well. You can directly help the heroes in hospitals and clinics who are fighting for us, and you can help keep your local restaurants alive. Please go to theringer.com slash WCK to donate. We're trying to raise $250,000. And if you have the means, it's an unbelievably great and useful cause that helps our hospital heroes, emergency workers, and local restaurants. Please give whatever you can. The money goes directly to World Central Kitchen, and it's a charitable donation. Once again, that's theringer.com slash WCK. Welcome to Tinfoil Tuesday, your Wednesday tradition, only on the Recapables Westworld, because Tuesday, as we know it, only a simulation. I'm David Shoemaker, joined as always by the military-grade EMP that downed the ringer, Danny Heifetz, and our loyal producer, Bobby Wagner. We're about to have a mind-warping, spoiler-filled discussion of all the theories and speculation spilling out of Westworld Season 3, Episode 7, Past Pawn. We'll also have some listener mail, so if you want to drop us a line uh, just for your own uh, uh, edification, I guess we'll probably be back here next week. Who knows? Please just email us no matter what. We're at the Recapables Westworld at gmail.com. That's the Recapables Westworld at gmail.com. There are no stupid questions unless you want to ask what our big red button does. Okay. It's Tinfoil Tuesday. Um, this episode, Past Pond, had a lot going on. There was a lot. We have a lot just spilling. We could just go through minute by minute and probably have 5 million questions and a much longer episode than we want to have. But I think more importantly, what's going on right now is we all just kind of sat back, kicked, back or kicked up our feet after watching Pass Pawn, fully digested the fact that there's only one episode of season three remaining and started thinking, what on earth is about to happen in this finale? What is left to be decided or to be determined? What is left? I mean, and the answer is everything. And and, and what is, and I, so I guess Pass Pond is going to play into this, factor into this conversation a lot, but I think the bigger conversation is about episode eight. Danny, would you agree? Yeah, there are so many balls in the air and I feel like it'll be really fun if they get all get caught or if all of them drop, but I kind of don't want to see four get caught and like the other four fall. I want all of them to drop or all of them to get caught. I think for me, I'm going to stay up, eat this whole episode. For me, the, my, what I'm anxious about is I don't even know how many balls I'm juggling right now. <laughs> it's like I That's could, exactly if I, the, I, we could be like, we could see an, an amazing juggling display, <laughs> amazing display of juggling prowess in which like five balls were masterfully, masterfully caught with like pinky fingers and spin, you know, spinning on the tips of pinky fingers. And then, like the most important ball of all is like some bowling ball flying from the sky that I didn't even know existed. Right. And then like, it turns I mean, out it, there were four jugglers the whole time in two yes, realities. Exactly. I don't even know how many juggling. Yes. Yes. All right. Start asking questions, Danny. You've been, you've been fielding all this listener mail and reading all this Reddit nonsense. We've talked a lot this week. I feel like uh, more than usual off of, off of uh recording. So 
I'm sure we'll, some, we'll regurgitate some of our previous conversations, but we've got to get into a lot of stuff here. So just go. Start asking questions or start, start pitching ideas at me. But before we dive in, I want to just correct the record on the button. We heard a lot about the button uh, Dolores and Maeve hit at the end of the episode. Because you, Chris Ryan, and I were speaking, and I think we missed that there was an in-episode explanation that it was supposed to be an EMP, the electromagnetic pulse, which is something that kind of fries electronics that are on. Now, now, can I say a quick thing about this? One, please. I would just like to take credit that I was I was the first member of the Recapitals Westworld team that realized it because <laughs> I this is embarrassingly only watched the show once before our podcast. And when I was watching it the second time through, I was like, oh, dang, there's the answer that we were joking about uh, ignorantly in front of the world. But uh, humble brag aside, um, we were already making jokes about EMPs prior to this episode. I mean, for yeah, three seasons, for three this. seasons, the question has been, why don't they have a military grade EMP? Yeah, I don't feel bad about this at all because we can pull up. Bobby can pull up the receipts. We were talking about why doesn't Delos just EMP the entire park two years ago? And honestly, if the only explanation for what Maeve and Dolores, like what happened to them is just they hit the EMP. It literally renders the entire season, second season of the show as like, I mean, a complete waste of time. Because mm-hmm. if the whole second season was just, oh, just EMP them, then like, I don't even know what I'll do. So I, I'm holding out hope that there is something of a grander explanation connecting what Bernard and, and Sirach did with their little remote controls to the button. But I, I, I don't know. It's, is, is it ridiculous? Am I being hyperbolic when I think that if you think back about what the problem in season two was, all the robots are rebelling? that there is a very specific and tangible solution to this that has been around long enough that it was essential to the plot of Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. So this isn't like a foreign concept. Maybe it's like NFL Street where you just like have to build up the boost to use your EMP. You can't just <laughs> use it every down. <laughs> or like it's the nitrous. They were just out of EMP. I think though, I think though that, you know, that you, you, you build up your boost. If you're going to do it one time in the game, you do it at, Fort Forlorn Hope, right? When you're just like making your last valiant stand against yeah. The why? Why would you season. send any human beings to get shot by the robots before you just drop a little EMP with a drone? Just drop like think about and what we know if, about the even the, if there's the a reason outside why they, world. Even if there's a reason why they can't do it, right? Even if there's a reason why that that would be impossible. Like, oh, I don't know. The all of Westworld is built on some sort of some built up atop some sort of electronic organs that like, you know, it would fall out of the sky or something if it if there was an EMP that was set off. If there's some practical reason like that, one, you would think somebody would bring it up anyway. And two, there is a huge, huge chasm between, and my arms are stretching right now, no one can see this, between an e, an, a military-grade EMP and machine guns. Right. Like if they, if the, all of the technology that has clearly been developed from now in real life time to the Westworld time, there must be some solution, even if the military grade EMP is off the table. That is not we're going to shoot the robots with guns. Anyway, moving you on. I think what, they would what, just what, have guns that shoot EMPs. That would kind of be a better option. It's kind of amazing they have guns in the first place. Why don't totally they make honest. the guns out of the EMP? That's what I'm talking um, about. It, it's anyway, I, 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 so I both, uh, we regret the error for missing it on the previous podcast. I also don't regret it at all because if that's the explanation, it's really dumb. So I can't believe I missed it, but I, but I'm happy only because I would have been so I would have been, I think I would have been mad about the episode in, as we were doing the the episode of the pod. If I had been paying attention when, <laughs> when Caleb said, 
hey, what's that military-grade EMP doing over there? I'm not going to lie. I thought he said AMP, and he was referring to the robot walking by, and I was like, oh, is that like a Google AMP joke? I so That's I just exactly completely I went over my head. I, yeah, I just, yeah. Anyway, let's get into what the hell is going to go on in this finale, because mm-hmm. there is a lot, but I want to start with Charlotte. Because this episode started with Charlotte and she's on the phone with Musashi. And again, why she's telling him they're about to ambush him, I have no idea. But specifically, it's Charlotte obviously is not Chard, Chard, Chard Loris or whatever. She's not that anymore. So there's kind of three explanations there. It's like, does she have a new body? And there's some time jump here where she's forward enough. She got healed. Is this a new Charlotte? Is this like a different person? Did Maeve rebuild her? Whatever happened? Or... Are we about to get confirmation that there are two Charlottes in two different simulations or at least two in at least two simulations? Because I I went back and I watched the first episode of the season. And what is so striking is that the first time we see Charlotte this season, she's at a board meeting with Delos Here we about go. taking Delos private. And if you'll remember in episode six, that's also the premise of the meeting. So, like she is like, she's wearing the same outfit to this meeting in episode one that she is in episode six to the same concept of this is the board meeting for taking Delos private. Even bizarrely, her purse is in the same place on the table. Like in the episode, she has it so strangely right next to her. And it's in the same spot on the table as after she, Sirak kind of ousts her in the middle of this meeting, one of his henchmen takes her purse from her and puts it on the table in the same spot. So, so many aspects of this are the same thing, and yet they're all completely different because Ciroc, in the first episode, if you'll remember, there was this empty chair who had like a lot of power on the board who now we know obviously is Ciroc. And in this episode, he obviously, the sixth episode, obviously he showed up and had this whole power grab and did the whole thing. But there's it, 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 there's so many parts of it. It's like spot the differences and so many are identical and so many are different. It's like the whole scene was like a game of telephone between a bunch of set designers. And the most damning part is in the first episode, Charlotte says, we have a lot of proprietary assets in this company that could prove to be very valuable one day, but not if we let them burn in a fire sale. And then in the sixth episode, the scene is intercut with Ciroc explaining he wants all the IP gone and they're literally burning all the hosts in a fire. Yeah. Well, also there's there's that one female board member who who is saying like you know our, our ip is worthless right now in the first and season episode one and then episode six she's the one explaining that the value of the ip to Sirach. exactly um, so but there are i mean but you know all, all the other board members for what it's worth are dressed differently i mean i guess they're that's dressed the, differently but they have opposite opinions of what they did in the yeah, two episodes yeah, yeah, yeah. at ostensibly the same meeting so my question to you david is do you think it's possible that one of the episodes we saw like the first the charlotte we saw in the first episode is a simula- like a, a simulation trying to accomplish what we're seeing in a later episode. Or one of these is a simulation, if not Well, both. okay. Uh, I mean, I think in some general, in some vague sense, yes. I, I do think that Charlotte is certainly the key into the simulation theory. And we we sort of identified that with the help of, you know, Reddit detectives. We we identified that really quickly after the episode with two, two different messages to her son. Um, yeah. and then we kind of discarded it, right? I mean, we haven't really talked about it much since. And, and I do think that this is, that there's a parallel here. I don't know if it's specifically, if it's that Sirach was the robot in the first one 
and the real thing in the second one, or if the, I mean, you could still make the case against that the robot screen was the man in black or something in the first one that she had gone through with what she said in her first meeting with William. And then somehow he, but she never went to get him. She, she used him as a proxy vote or whatever. Um, so I think there's a lot of question marks, but I do like the idea that it's just a parallel. And I guess that would mean that Sirach was present. Or I guess I would see that as like the, what we saw in episode one was the real version. And episode six was the simulation. And I would only say that because, and maybe we're jumping too far ahead, but because I'm starting to get, as far as, as we're talking about theories we're returning to, I'm starting to become more and more convinced that Serac doesn't actually exist. Oh. Are we going into this now? Well, I mean, it's a good segue, right? <laughs> Never so, let a good segue go to waste. That's what Bobby always says. Again, Serac, the definition of Serac is the edge of a glacier or the tip of a glacier. So that's like the tip of the iceberg on whatever steroids do to glaciers. And I, his hologram, this thing was so freaking weird when he popped up to Caleb and said, the man I was no longer exists. And he was talking to his brother. We've only seen this dude in hologram form. And the only evidence we have at all that he exists is that he's moved a couple things. Like he had an apple with Maeve and he moves a chair at one point in a meeting with Charlotte. But now that the fact that some of these Charlotte scenes might be simulated, we really have no evidence that he physically exists. And we have a lot of evidence of him getting shot in the face and then disappearing into a cloud, like a digital hologram thing. His plane is like floating above the clouds. Like there's, I mean, this isn't even far fetched. Like we know Tupac was a hologram at Coachella. Like this trillionaire dude might just be a, like, I don't, I think that he might just be a projection of Rehoboam. So do you think that's what he is? Those are two different things, right? For number one, yes, we don't have, as far as I know, we don't have any proof that he exists. The best proof might've been his interaction with that, with that, uh, whoever that head of state was, who who were where Sirach was threatening the coup. Although that was so off the chessboard, so far off the chessboard that I don't even think you can. I think you can probably explain that away so many different ways. I've seen people using the using as 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 a counter argument one that he killed Dempsey, which is based on a memory that. I mean, if Sirach doesn't exist, then Sirach's memory that is stored in yeah, the, Rehoboam doesn't matter either. There's no the, reason we should trust the, anyone's memories in this right, show. Right, but the, but the, and the most his. concrete thing that we have is him killing uh, that dude who, 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 when he's trying to track down Dolores, that guy that helped Dolores get new IDs yeah. or whatever, with Maeve present. But we've already talked about the fact that there's some, that, that I mean, all of, his, all of his interactions with Maeve up to that point had been virtual. So there's no re- the idea that that was the moment where they went into the real world. Well, that was what, how it was presented to us, I guess. But there's no reason to think that's any more real than anything else. Any any other any other thing that we're IDing as a simulation. What if Sirach is? What if we Shutter Island this and Sirach is just his brother's fake creation of himself? Yes. yes. So what Dan? I, th- oh, this is where we're going. I think. Yeah. So with Danny's Danny's suggesting two separate things to me. One is that. Sirach, there is a Sirach, or there, you know, there is a human behind this, and this is his, this is his avatar, basically. And maybe he's dead, and maybe whatever, but like this is like the the digital version of a real person. Idea number two is that he is. Well, I guess we can put in he is the the digital version of Rehoboam is kind of like one B. But then, but then idea two is that he never is that Sirach is purely a figment of someone's imagination, be it. Rehoboam or Jean-Mi or something like that. Johnny Johnny emailed in and he said, 
he was he's asking Siracus a simulation a creation of Solomon as part of Jean Mi's re-education. And so Johnny writes that Solomon asks Caleb if he would like him to speak his voice, right? So what if some of the narration in genre, when we hear Sirach supposedly speaking to Rehoboam, is actually Solomon speaking to Sirach, describing how he created him? This tracks of Sirach's memories seeming very host-like, like his memories of him and his brother in the wheat field outside Paris. This would also explain why Sirach is always seen by others as a hologram or through glasses, because he is not corporeal. We are told many times that Jean-Mi was unstable and schizophrenic. So what if it was Jean-Mi that killed Dempsey Sr.? And afterwards, he couldn't live with himself. So either he initiated the re-education process on himself or Solomon decided to do it for him. In any case, an alternative story was written for Jean-Mi in which he has a, he has a brother, Sirach, and he is the one that did all the horrible things like starting the re-education facilities. Yeah, that's Shutter Island. Which, by the way, is a pretty good movie, maybe overly competent. It, it might, I think it might be better as like a... Duplice Brothers horror movie or something than the way it was presented, but it's a fantastic book. If yeah, and I and I alluded to this earlier in the in the uh, season, it's a fantastic book if you skip the chapters that are written in italics because I had no, I always do, and I had no idea what was going on. It was really really good. Um, Shutter Island, fantastic stuff. This is, I think, this is where I feel like this is where we're headed. I don't know. I the the way that we're pe- piecing things together right now is so helter skelter. Again, this is a conversation that we were having in earnest on like episode three about whether or not Ziroc was a real thing. And then we kind of put that, set that aside. I'm not sure that we even have our notes organized correctly, but uh, this is definitely going to be. Actually, let's do this. For this, for the rest of this episode. Let's get a, a re, let's get an, a hypothetical dry erase board. And we're going to the things that we know the last episode are going to be about. We will write. All right. So like who is Sirach goes on the Danny is actually sitting next to a dry erase board as I'm speaking right now. Who is Sirach is, Big no, board. is, is item number one. Who what is Sirach? Who slash what is Sirach? Number one. And and the other thing going on the board, though, is is sim, Charlotte and simulation slash are there simulations? Oh. Like, have we been watching simulations? Yes. Yes. Which and by is, the way, can I, I didn't say this in the last thing. And just like I see this in my notes right here. Whatever was going on in the last episode when she was talking to Mushashi, like, I know that was, I assume that was deliberately made to look very supernatural or unreal or whatever. Oh, yeah, that was so sketchy. I mean, literally, it it was literally, well, actually, I'm not going to say literally because I don't even know anything about digital editing. But it was, I mean, if you take a, if you take a screen, a screen grab and, and just like mess with it as much as you can in photoshop it i mean it's just a face and a hand that are photoshopped or that are superimposed upon a black figure like a like a shadowy figure it's not it's it's every bit as fake as it looked now maybe it was supposed to look that fake but it was this is all the only parts of her that exist in that in that moment are a face and a hand so if she's rebuilding herself um or if she is about to walk out of the shadows to reveal some version of herself we've never seen before who knows solomon doing a little voice acting on the, on the on the line. Wait, what? I don't know. Solomon could do any voice in the world, apparently. I don't know. Well, he doesn't really need a face to do that. They could have just done a voiceover. But anyway. Know, all right. So so uh is Sir, is is Charlotte Charlotte and Timelines number one. Who what is Sirac is number two. Okay, what's not what, what's the third question for the day? So I think the next one we have to talk about is Caleb and William. I'm much more sympathetic to Caleb. A couple days removed from watching that episode than I was at the time. But let's talk about it. 
Caleb, the character, Caleb's existence, not like narrative Caleb, but go on. So this is from the Reddit user, Fane Logs. Love Fane Logs. Love Fane Logs. Sorok used 20-year-old biometric data sold to him by Delos in order to reprogram Caleb. The reprogramming we see in this episode takes place after Caleb kills Francis. So it's a second layer of reprogramming that is sprinkled on top of the first. So what we know is that Caleb was initially reprogrammed using the data of a person who was in Westworld 20 years ago and that the data turned him into a ruthlessly efficient hunter and killer. Now, Dolores and her poetic sense of justice have recruited this semi-random dude to destroy humanity as William runs around claiming he's going to save humanity and is inexplicably boasting about how selling that data was such a smart idea. There's a lot in here that I agree with. Um, Obviously, well, my the question here is, what what do you see as the relationship between Caleb and William? Okay, so that's... <laughs> great. Give me the softball, why don't you? Um, <laughs> first of all, let me say, there's clearly... Early, I think, well, Caleb and William... I mean, we, the question is, what is Caleb's... Who is Caleb, right? Yeah. What is Caleb's connection? Why are we watching him? And why okay, did Dolores so, pick him? So here's what jumped out to me most about Caleb in the, in the last episode. One, um, I firmly believe, and, and this... Uh, this is in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is mentioned in that in that part of what you read that she that that. um. Oh, yeah. When Caleb says Solomon at the very beginning, when they first walk into the compound, that's what like the lights turn on, like they're reacting to a voice command. I firmly believe that Dolores needs needed Caleb to infiltrate, not physically, but to like turn on the system. I don't know exactly why, but I do. But I do believe that Caleb is um was essential. Like Caleb's Caleb's voice was essential for controlling or communicating with solomon dolores was unable to do that on her own we see that because as mentioned when the sirach hologram pops up where it's meant to be like oh it's random anyone that passes through this way gets that hologram that is nonsense that would never be the case and i thought it at the time i just i couldn't didn't put any of the pieces together it's reacting to the to the presence of caleb right there like caleb for whatever reason is being read as jean me walking out of conditioning reconditioning so Taking those two things, I'm not sure then what how, what William how William comes into play. I think that Caleb is, oh man, okay. I think there's a version of this where Caleb is. Um, I, I, I said this to you before. I don't know which one of these things makes me more uncomfortable. There's a version of this where like Sirach doesn't exist, Jean Me doesn't really exist, and Caleb is the original is the only Sirach brother. Uh, somehow kept young because he was in deep freeze for years and years and then re- released in the world as a, as a hunter killer. Um, I don't think that's the answer, but that's like the simplest version of this, right? Well, there, there are some, there are two schools of thought. One is connecting Caleb to Jean B, who is Ciroc's brother, and the other is connecting him to William or maybe a little bit of both. That's the strange part you're kind of... Okay, yes. So whether or not that's... Okay, so it's either he is Jean B or he is the original Ciroc brother or... Then the other part is that what you were getting at is that he's a normal person reconditioned, and because Delos bought all or, or uh, Insight bought all this Delos raw data that they were using, like in Jurassic Park when they had to use the frogs to like fill in the gaps on uh, the dinosaur DNA sequencing, they had to use like Delos data to fill in the gaps when they were reconditioning people, and they used like Williams data to recondition Caleb. That would be that's the that would be the 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 idea there. Now, 
I'm not sure how Jean Me or anyone else factors into that, but the idea would basically be that you have Caleb, who's a shell of a man. They yank, they basically lobotomize him after his military service, and we're taking a lot for granted here. They lobotomize him and they fill in the gaps with some combination of William and of Jean Me or something like that. Like he's just the sort of potpourri. Of, like he's like Caleb is popcorn, and then they just shake all this like William cheese cheddar. Che- topping on top of everything and we have a uh, something that's red i mean it's something that's entirely different is that close to what you're thinking i think the jurassic park analogy you just used is a really good idea because i think that this da- i think the data that delos souls is going to be key to rehoboam and key to whatever this big reveal in this f- season finale is i think it's going to be huge and i think the jurassic park thing is a perfect example so, so the, just to just basically the misdirect was that we thought that that was just a way of making William matter or of making sort of having a connection between Delos and Insight. Yeah. But maybe that's actually going to be the whole plot of the season. So making this a little more concrete, there is a bizarre coincidence that can't be a coincidence that William's patient ID when he pops up on that screen with him and Bernard. William's patient ID is I'm going to read this. I don't care if it's annoying. UM 27021001912B. Here is Caleb Nichols's ID. UM 27021912B. It's literally the same thing in this like 13 letter number sequence. They have the exact same thing except for one of the ones is an I. It's basically the same goddamn thing. Um I have no idea how that could possibly be a coincidence. It, it, it obviously is. They, they're, they're supposed to be some kind of parallel there. And I think it makes a lot of broad sense about how they could be related. And I apologize. Someone emailed us in that a, a lot of the Caleb and William backstories here are broadly of the same themes, that the details are a little different, but how Dolores found them and the kind of things they're going through in their life, how they grew up. There's a lot of the same broad themes with what they're dealing with in the show. A lot of questioning the nature of reality. And obviously Dolores is drawn to them for whatever reason. Basically the question is with everything we just said about the simulation and Charlotte, is it possible that Caleb is an invention in the simulated world? Like because William's an outlier, we know William's an outlier and they're not, the Rehoboam's not good at predicting outliers is Caleb what Rehoboam thought William's life would be. Is that possible? Like Caleb is a purely simulated person and that Rehoboam has failed to uh, simulate William. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I mean, let me, let me answer that question or what I believe that question to be by answering a totally different question. Um, when we're talking about whether or not Ciroc exists, yeah, a lot of what has been playing through my mind for a lot of on a lot of these very big questions is how the living hell they would answer this question, yeah, in an hour of television along with everything else they have to do, right? Uh, because for a lot of these questions that we're talking about, you don't have to answer the question; you have to ask the question and answer the question in the yeah. in, in one episode, and that's a lot to ask. So. Does Ciroc exist is a wonderful example to me of a question that has not really been asked, but can be asked and answered in about two minutes of showtime. All you have to do is have somebody put on the glasses, although the glasses seem to be part of the the, the experience as well, but whatever. Somebody puts on the glasses and re-remembers in the same way that 
the same way that that Caleb re-remembered his history in episode seven. Somebody just re re Maeve or whoever revisits all of their experiences. Charlotte revisits all their experiences with Sirach and realizes that Sirach was never present for any of those things. Sirach just fades away like Marty McFly in the Back to the Future photograph. And then, oh my God, we all realize Sirach's just a creation. So we we uh, that's a way that we can understand, wrap our heads yeah, around this sort of six, thing in yeah. very quick, very quick, I mean, very straightforward visual way. If we start getting into half of these characters exist in real life and half of these characters exist in a simulation and they don't really cross over that much and, or something to that effect. If this is like the leftovers where people start getting yanked away from realities at very, I mean, just all at once, just because we've finally come to grips with what we're dealing with, that's going to be a little bit hard, I think, to swallow. I mean, we haven't set any of that up. And I think, I mean, even Caleb in particular, I tried to do this. I tried to think, what if Caleb only exists in one reality or the other? Because the first few times we meet Caleb, or the fir- our first interactions with Caleb, with uh, the interactions that other people have with Caleb. I'm thinking of Dolores in particular. There's always something a little bit off about it. It's a little so, bit staged. It's a little bit unclear why he's there or how he got there, all that stuff. I mean, there's so many interactions that he has that just don't seem quite right. And the one thing, by the way, going, going to the bigger question about who he is that someone mentioned on Reddit, I don't remember what it was, or maybe you mentioned this, that... The one time that Sirach and Caleb, I think, cross paths is in that airplane hangar. And right before, right as Sirach appears, Dolores pivots in a direction that prevents Sirach from seeing Caleb behind her. Again, I don't know if any of these things are real. I don't know what's real. But there does seem to be some sort of oddity to the way that Caleb interacts with the rest of the world. I think that exactly to your point, whether the finale is good or not, and by extension, whether the season will be judged as a good season or not, is about whether they can land the plane. And among these few questions, they have to answer. Or at least answer things that could make sense is they have to explain, why did Dolores choose Caleb? Like, that is, to me, first. Because why did Dolores choose Caleb? And I think the e- and then on top of it, Rehoboam has to have some kind of motivation here. Rehoboam, I think, is going to go from the MacGuffin to the char- like a character. That has been puppeteering. I think those are two essential ingredients to making making sure this plane lands. I think that you asked the right question though. What are those answers that could do those two things? I think that Caleb. Well, actually, I, I think for whatever reason he's special. I think that one interesting thing to look at it is how literally the beginning, which is why is he in this story? And it's because he found Dolores bleeding in that tunnel in the first episode. And so you look back on that and you're like, how the hell did they meet? Why did that happen? That doesn't make any sense. The only way that really makes sense now that we know that Rico app is a part of Rehoboam and it's part of Solomon, the AI is controlling the Rico app. Now that we know that, the only way that it makes sense is that the AI wanted him to meet Dolores because supposedly from everything we've learned, it can't quote unquote see Dolores though. So how would it even arrange that meeting? It doesn't make a ton of sense because if it's on Dolores' side, it couldn't see Dolores, and why would it be on Dolores' side in the first place? It just, to me, the one thing that would snap in place that would make a lot of sense, the missing control unit, there's one control unit unaccounted for still that theoretically could have Dolores' consciousness in it. If that has been plugged into Rehoboam, and Dolores is somehow in Rehoboam or some way that, again, how do you land this plane in 62 minutes? Dolores was plugged into Rehoboam, would answer a lot of questions and do a lot of work off screen for the show. Like that is a magic trick that I could see making a lot of pieces fall into place, including the basics of 
what what was going on and that Dolores was running basically a lot of simulations on this behalf. Now, I know that sounds a little nuts, but again, going back to the first episode this season, there was an exchange. Do you remember when Ciroc's henchman met up with Liam on the rooftop bar and she was like threatening to kill him? If you go back, that that conversation was very difficult to make out what was happening in the moment. But if you revisit that conversation, oh, I like that. It's okay. really interesting what Martel says. So, Sorak's uh, henchman says, "We think someone may have. This is the first episode. We think someone may have acquired access to Rehoboam, a level of sophistication we haven't seen before. Like someone is testing the system." Liam very smugly replies, "Rehoboam itself would alert us if anybody even tried." And Martel, Sorak's henchman, says. If someone from the outside tried, yes. But if they abused the trust of someone who already had access. So obviously there would be some weird timeline stuff here because Dolores is watching this from afar. But I, that conversation heavily implies that Dolores has, or sorry, that Rehoboam has been accessed by the first episode, by the time we meet all these characters. Mm-hmm. Whoever accessed that, that Rehoboam, whoever's gotten to it, to me, that is the missing link. That yeah. can explain a lot of this stuff. Okay, so yeah, yes, yes, and yes, but that also makes me feel like everything that's happening in that scene is part of the simulation. What if? Well, that's yeah, right. And when she says the outside, she means the outside world. Part of me wonders if Dolores was using Rehoboam to run all these simulations to practice doing other things in the real world. That once she gets into Rehoboam, you want to practice fermenting a revolution before you go ahead and do it in real life. And that's what I wonder if we've been watching play out. All of Dolores' attempts, not just the... Or just Rehoboam's million attempts at doing this, telling the story, basically. Yeah, I mean, one of, again, one of the first things Liam says is that Rehoboam runs... They literally lost track of how many strategies Rehoboam runs per, per second. Maybe this has nothing to do with anything. And maybe, or maybe this is just like, yes, David, you, this is obvious. But what if... We know there's this whole like robots creating robots sort of story that's uh, exactly ph- philosophy that's underlying underlying everything. What if what if Rehoboam o- only exists in the simulation? What if Solomon is the <laughs> so, what if Solomon's well, in the real world and created a simulation version of himself the, to to control the simulation because he couldn't do it? Well, that's a good point. Again, to simplify the whole thing, I think the key to the show. I think Rehoboam has to become a character, and then it's actually kind of black and white. I think is Rehoboam with Dolores or is it against Dolores? You know, is, is Rehoboam just projecting Sorak and they're at enemies or is Rehoboam, you know, turning on Sorak and going with Dolores? I think that that is one way to look at the finale. I, mind if we read another email on John Mee yeah, please, that I think emails. is interesting. N- enough of us blathering. This is an email from Sean. Is Caleb Sorak's brother? Yes. Sean writes, Dolores says, I need to find Solomon. Nothing. And then Caleb says, Solomon. And the lights turned on like they were reacting to his voice. Mm-hmm. Sorak's hologram showed up and said, quote, if you're seeing this, that means you've awoken, brother. You are a better version of yourself. I wish I could be there, but the man I was no longer exists. And Caleb is standing in front of him. Are we supposed to believe the hologram pops up when anybody walks onto the platform, but it's specifically for his brother, as you said before, David? If not, and back to what Sean's email, if not, then what triggers that hologram? Dolores says to Solomon, Sorak condemned him to this while standing right next to Caleb and looking him over. And then this is a stretch, but Caleb's friend was named Francis and he is, and Sorak is from France. Caleb killed Francis, shot him in the heart. Paris, the heart of France was destroyed. I, 
Maybe, maybe this Caleb backstory was all just a way for him to forget that he was John me thoughts. First of all, Sean, that's a hell of an email Two, yeah, that's how the, do that's you guys feel about the whole show the week that you, the, the, the France Francis thing is the greatest thing ever. And I hope oh that God. it is correct. I mean, I, I would just hope that that's true. Now, is this all nuts? Yeah, but the show is nuts. And that actually would check all the boxes we need. It would explain why Dolores singled out Caleb because he was reconditioned to forget he was John me or whatever, or just he's important. And it would explain a lot of what's going on with the Rehoboam thing. It would just it, that that would be a lot of pieces sliding into place. My biggest hurdle with the the Caleb is John me theory is it is just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the Jurassic Park like well, I was talking about DNA easy reveals thing. earlier and yes we could go but we could just see the scenes with Jean Me and and Ciroc, you know together when they were young and it turns out that and it's and it's actually young Ciroc with with Caleb and Caleb somehow didn't age cuz he was in the deep freeze after he went crazy and whatever and it was just you know it's that simple but that's just dumb. But what, right? what if Caleb is not actual Jean Me? Like, what if yeah, William? There we go. What if William is Jean Me, and his consciousness oh created Sirac as a way to like distance himself from the trauma of creating this thing that's ruining the world? And then when Caleb was reconditioned using Delos data, thus William's consciousness, he starts to take on the properties of someone who can access the system of Solomon. One of the main connections between uh, this, there's so much going on here. One of the main connections between Caleb and John May, and again, this is one of this is one of the few reasons that my ears really perk up when I had the Caleb John May thing, which I don't know if it's 100 percent right, but Caleb's mom has schizophrenia, and John May had schizophrenia. There's only like ten human characters in this fucking show in this season. Two of them have schizophrenia. Like we're going at a 20 percent clip here, and I, I think that is a bizarre coincidence considering the whole we're talking about why is Caleb important and what's the deal with Jean Me and some at a certain point there's only so many pieces on the board and a couple of them are going to have to combine, I, and that really that's what I keep everything about the Jean Me thing none of it makes sense to me except the schizophrenia thing I keep thinking why would it be like that, and then the other part of it that I I wonder about. Again, William and Caleb having these IDs, I think, is fascinating. But I, I think that if we zoom out for a second, I really am drawn to the idea that there's only one Ciroc brother. That Ciroc or Jean Me, one of them, invented the other. And that the story they told, as Robert Ford would say, was a lie that reveals a greater truth. And that the relationship between Ciroc and his brother we saw in the flashback is actually much more akin to the relationship between Ciroc and uh, between, sorry, between Rehoboam and Solomon. I wonder if Solomon being the older brother and Rehoboam being the quote unquote younger brother, that this is actually the story of two AI quote unquote brothers. And what do we see? We see Solomon locked away in a cage in some warehouse and Rehoboam is running the world. Is that not the story of what Ciroc told where Sirach is the younger brother trillionaire running the world and he put his brother away for reconditioning. The details of this honestly are eluding me of how this happened. But I do think that the story that we saw of Sirach's memory is actually Sirach being Rehoboam telling the story of what Rehoboam did to Solomon and that this is really the two AI speaking to about each other and that Solomon was narrating the fifth episode. 
That was big time Romulus and Remus energy out of you right there, by the way, Heifetz. <laughs> That's just like the, the story since the beginning of time, the Bible, Romulus and Remus, everything. Cain and yeah. Abel, baby. No, I, I think I'm kind of in on all that. I just don't, I just, I think that, I don't know, it's probably the fool's errand for us to for, pin, try to pin that down anymore uh, because you're right. I mean, I, th- I think, I think that about 75% of what you just said is probably going to bear out to be true, but I just don't, we, we just don't even, like I said, we don't know the question yet. So I don't know. Wait, how's our big board doing? Have we added anything to the big board since I, since our last visit to the big board? Yeah. Is, by my count, we have is Charlotte in a simulation who slash what is Sirach? What is the relationship between Caleb and William? And is Caleb Jean me? Well, those are big questions. No, a couple of those are theories. We're talking about questions we need answered. It's who is Sirach a real fucking guy? Is Sirach, yeah, it's who, who, what is Sirach? Is that one? And then, slash, who, is and then, and then why does, why does Caleb matter? Is there a next question? Why does Caleb matter? Are we watching simulations? And does Rehoboam have motives? Is Rehoboam it's just a, a very minor actor? throwaway. The one thing, I mean, episode seven had some like hilariously bad dialogue, and I'm willing to forgive that in almost every circumstance. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't get over this. It was the Russian Civil War, but there was nothing civil about it. As if there was just some dude, kind of... <laughs> dude, I know. It also it looked of, super civil. They were just going about their days. If you're going to say it wasn't, wasn't civil, civil but show also some it's like this idea. Shit. Like you, That's the joke that you would make in a, or like a, that a crime novelist would write if it was just like, he was suing me in civil court, but there was nothing civil about it. Like when it's kind of <laughs> turning the idea on its head, but there's nothing, there's no like cool civil wars. Right, I mean, it's like it's implicitly terrible. (laughs) But anyway, there was some like hammy dialogue throughout the episode, so I don't want to focus in on one thing. But the but I can't. I also just can't stop thinking about Caleb saying, "Oh, an insane AI." Which seems like that's not my problem. Is that when Caleb remembers everything, and he's like, he remembers he killed Francis and why, and he turns like, "Yo, piece of shit!" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm sure the omniscient artificial intelligence is like really hurt." By you screaming yeah. at it. Yeah. It's like, you, so I, you made me murder my friend. And like, this is so douchey of me. But all I could think was, you didn't murder him. It's self-defense. He tried to kill you. Like, you yeah. didn't murder you. What are you talking about? Well, he's, he's, he, 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 he rolled out the red carpet. No, what I was just going to say is it's a very, very tiny thing. But that, but calling it, calling something, calling a schizo, referring to schizophrenia as like, just being like, ah, oh, an insane AI just seems so unnecessarily dismissive for a you know nominally progressive tv show that it only kind of makes sense if caleb is talking about himself you know it, it only yeah, makes it's, sense it's in kind terms of like whiff, self-deprecation yeah. but anyway no it's that's a good point and i mean there's a there were a couple whiffs in the episode on that i mean the other one was odd was mave saying dolores has turned a man to the dark side before which there's only two people there there's her referring to teddy and drawing a par- comparison between teddy and caleb which it would be obvious or william and the William, th- I'm hoping she was referring to Teddy because the implication that Dolores turned William is exact is not true at all. And I, I thought that was a bizarre comparison. So I maybe she was referring to Teddy, but I, 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 there were a couple there's, but that's kind of one of the issues with the well, show. Maybe, kind of why maybe, it needed to be maybe, a simulation is like, there's just so many errors or just mistakes that have kind of, maybe maybe it's just a casual viewer of the show though. Maybe yeah. she didn't catch on. It doesn't really watch. Um, do we have any Maeve questions in here? Well, no, cause I think that's actually one of the problems is that she's not essential. Like there's not yeah. there's nothing question about Maeve that needs to be answered for the show to finish, other than is she in a simulation which doesn't just apply to her. We kind uh, of made we kind of got at this a little bit last week, I feel like, or in one of the last episodes. But I but I do feel like Maeve was like Maeve stopped being essential the or stopped feeling essential the moment that we were told that she was essential. 
Does that make sense? That, it's that like, does make sense. Maeve, Maeve was like low key, every, like the most interesting character on the show until it was like, oh, until it was like the, the curtain was pulled back, revealing her as the central protagonist. And at that point, they just started doing everything off screen. And like, I don't know, they're just sitting around these little side missions and stuff. I, I, I don't exactly. I'm not, I, I'm not quite sure what the point is. Speaking of, speaking of side missions, this I saw pointed out so many times, and I can't believe I didn't put words to it before. Um, but the fact that Dolores apparently told Caleb the entire her entire plan like on the plane ride to Mexico, but like had not really gone into any detail up to that point, and he had no questions about it except for what they well, talked yeah, about on horseback. How many how many times though? Did, I mean, again, this is Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy Shell, and Nolan. I mean, his brother Christopher Nolan made Inception, and what is more Inceptiony than the scene where how many times in Inception are they like? Do you remember how you got here? They said that to Caleb like three times in this show. We heard that. How did you get here, Caleb? How, like there was a split montage of how did you get here, Caleb? How did you get here, Caleb? How, and it, it, it is like that is all but screaming to us that in some way or another, that's beyond like his memories are not to be trusted. It's it's the whole world is not to be trusted. That's inception. It's, it's not just you. your memories are messed up. It's like mm-hmm. what is real around you? And I, I do wonder if Caleb, his entire existence is a freaking simulation. Can you imagine if the um, last the last scene of this whole series, or I guess of this season, was just like Cobb waking up again, like at on his a home. beach? Yeah. yeah. Well, we already we already did that one. Uh, although I I want to read one last email on this subject from Mark, who emailed us in saying, again, so that Dolores gets the voice in the ear, and Mark writes that the voice in Dolores's ear must have been Solomon making reservations and shutting down cameras because the voice that Caleb hears in his ear is definitely Solomon giving him the plans for revolution. Check out the structural similarities from season one and the dual architects of Westworld. Rehoboam is Ford. Solomon is Arnold. Wait, say that again. I'm sorry. The voice. What is the voice that Caleb hears? So at the end of the episode, there's the ear. Oh, just that, that voice that, that you're right. The, the mystery. Yeah, the voice, which, by the way, we I was I don't know. Man, I lost my notes. We heard that voice earlier in the episode, though. I don't know where it was. I swear so that we've heard that voice. So that has been before. talking to Dolores throughout the season. That's the one. I mean, we're talking when she's in the hotel lobby with with uh, oh, that's Charlotte. The same, that's the she's same like, book. Okay. Yeah, that's the one telling her on the motorcycle, right, right, bring right. the motorcycle to me, book a hotel room. I think one of the tricks was that we didn't know if that was just what Siri looks like in 2055 or whatever. Right. Or more likely that actually, no, she was talking to one of the AI, Solomon or, or Rehoboam. And I, I wonder if we'll look back at this season as it was just this is a war between two related AI that this is Solomon versus Rehoboam and being waged in in two different realities um, them fighting each other and I wonder if if that is one way to look at it. I love this idea of the dual architects um, but on that note I want to pi- I want to re- uh, Dolores's plan because the last thing we have to put on the whiteboard is what Dolores is going to do here what does she want what does success look like for Dolores Jana writes in if Dolores knew this key info about Caleb, that he was an outlier that had been through therapy and released, making him essential to her plan, how do we explain how Dolores and Caleb met in the first place? Was it a happenstance meeting under the bridge when Dolores had been shot? So we we, we talked about how, well, I, I, I like that email, and I, we talked about how it's probably unlikely that it was an accident. So I, I and I, I kind of am wondering if Dolores is plugged into Rehoboam, but my question to you guys is, do you think that Rehoboam could be on Dolores' side? Or that Dolores is fighting Rehoboam in Sirach and that Solomon is helping her because Solomon or Dolores must be on the side of one of these two AI. So do you think it's possible Solomon has been helping her? 
throughout yeah. a more hundred percent, one million percent. Yes, I think that she's. I think that whoever is in her ear, yeah, she already put the. She 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 hacked into Rehoboam, or she hacked into Sol. I mean, I guess not Solomon. So Solomon is the T Rex coming in to kill the Rehoboam Velociraptor. Is that what we're saying here? No. Oh, okay, maybe. Yeah, it, it was. Like yeah, the the T the T Rex was the hero all along, or was a good guy all along? Is that where we're going? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, nice that's guy. possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, there's so there. I think there's so many there's so many moving parts here. I don't I don't even know what to say. Dolores and Caleb are, have that scene on the field where they're overlooking the facility. And it's, yeah. I mean, Dolores says this reminds me of Westworld. And it's very reminiscent of her and Teddy overlooking yeah, very, her very. cattle. I mean, the herd in, season, in the pilot episode. Like, I'm talking like 10 minutes into the pilot episode. And Teddy and her are both looking at the cattle. And Teddy says, I never understood how you keep them all in the same direction. And Dolores points to the one in front and says, that's the Judas steer. The rest will follow wherever you make him go. And Teddy asks, how do you pick him out? Dolores says, I just know these things. Same as I knew you'd be back. She does a real Southern accent in the pilot. Teddy says, you're saying I'm predictable. And Dolores says, there's a path for everyone and your path leads and your path leads you back to me. They also have the same conversation, but much darker in the first episode of season two. But I, I think that you rewatch the pilot, or at least the first 20 minutes of it. I feel like Dolores' plan is that Caleb is the Judas steer. He's leading this revolution but that she can control him, then she can control humanity. I think that she's trying, what she needs to do is that if she unplugs the AI, then humanity will go back to this herd-like, it'll be easier for her to lead a herd-like mentality. Um, she, she needs a Judas steer. That is the plan, because she's literally a rancher. So I think she sees people as a herd. And yeah, I agree. If that sounds, you know, I, I don't think it's an accident that Bernard was working at a meat plant, and that we saw in this episode a giant billboard for slabless meat or whatever it was like like artificially produced meat i don't think that's an accident i think that it's a direct comparison between just like people in a simulation are artificial and you know meat being produced without cows i think that there is something to be said about dolores being able to lead people like they were cattle like they were bovine but so so whatever let's just take a huge step back Let's presume that Caleb is a real human being because she's chosen him to be a human. I mean, to be the leader of the humans, right? Um, she well, I wants, think that she might just be leading him to break the simulation. She needs to break Rehoboam just like Maeve may broke it in the second episode because I think that is key here. I do think that we're going to see a couple people's control units. We're just in a... So wait, you don't think he's a, a human at all? You don't think, think he's possible. a human at all by the, in this theory? If you want to put an EMP gun to my head, like EMP to my head, like what's, what's going to happen, I am dubious. Okay. But if he is, let's take it at face value, though. If he is a human, if Dolores has chosen him to lead a rebellion in the humans to overthrow Rehoboam, that's the plan, right? I mean, it's pretty explicit. She wants, she doesn't think anybody should be held captive like she and the other hosts were captive on Westworld. And so she's kind of playing that same battle out with William and her, I mean, with uh, Caleb and her role in, in humanity. That's, that's her explicit plan. That's her stated plan, right? The question is whether or not any of that is real. Okay. All right. Let's move on to some lighter stuff. Dennis writes in, in the millions and millions of simulations where Hoboam has run, do you think there is just one in which the Cleveland Browns finally win a Super Bowl? <laughs> um, uh, uh, sure. Sure. I think yes. I think there's literally one. Go on. I have so many favorite emails that have been sent in. This is one of them. Crystal. Why is Stubbs on the show? There has to be a reason. Oh, man. 
It's a great question. Delightfully simple email from Crystal. Crystal, thank you. I think that Chris, I think that Chris Ryan hit on something really important on our last episode, which is that there's, you know, there's probably some, there's, he's probably not the only character in this season where they're just keeping him around to keep him around. You know, I mean, they're, they, they probably already paid him or promised him some amount of money. They want to keep him relevant. And instead of just, listen, when there's two years between seasons and the seasons are only eight episodes long, you don't really have the luxury of being like, Stubbs, you take this one off. You know, we're going to go with our, we're going to go with our reserves in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, I mean, Bernard, Stubbs and Bernard, Stubbs and Stubbs and Bernard don't need to be in the seat. Don't need to, didn't need to be in the season, or at least as far as we know. I mean, from what we've seen so far, they don't. Um, but they're going to play a role in the future, and so they're being kept around. I do have one thing that I haven't even, I haven't seen a theory about, so it's probably just a total, total error on my part. The gas station that they were in with William at the very end of the last episode. I was rewatching that scene and what and all the thing that it, the crappy car and everything else. And there's a phone booth behind them that just you oh, would think a phone booth. Like what would that Why? be doing there in 2020? Let alone whatever year this is. It reminded me a lot Good of question. that stupid motel that they were in. Stupid that dingy motel that they were in the first time we saw them after they escaped from Westworld. I wonder if there's not another layer to peel back there. Like are they I think the Bernard old- and Stubbs are in a simulation? I think Caleb is too. And I think Dolores has been in and out of it. I was going to say, are Bernard and Seb's the only one in the real world? And the real world's just like, like roadside Florida. No, I think, I think they're just simulation. As you said, there's a fucking phone booth. Why is there a phone booth? That's insane. Also, the fact that there are gas stations with all these cars seems nuts. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is some, I mean, it would, again, it might take a little bit too long to explain, but there does seem to be sort of something to... Dolores sending them around to perform like menial tasks does feel like something you would do in a simulation the same way you would like run around you run around performing menial tasks in nightmares you know and you're just like like why can't I get the window lock open and that's like 45 minutes of your nightmare like maybe that's the sort of idiocy that they're performing because this is a simulation I think as complicated as we've made this we can use some clues from the season to simplify it as much as we can I am confident the blueprint Maeve made in the second episode to break out of a simulation will be oh. used in this. The idea that if you overload the system, you'll break it and you can like get out of it somehow. I'm confident that Dolores is trying to do that. I think that she, what the plan with Caleb is for revolution is her attempt to overload a much larger system by getting a revolution of people to go all off their loops at the same time, unlock all the outliers, because if you can't predict all of these outliers, and again, that EMP might have unlocked all those people who were in cryogenic freeze, that's kind of similar to like all the re- the hosts in cold storage in season one. They came out and they did the revolution. This is kind of this, if we go with the season one chaos, or season one is rules, season two is chaos, season three is rules. That's It's really similar that all those outliers in season or all those outliers coming out and being in the world would really crash the simulation yeah and i think i, think I said that this you're like early, get, early on there'd be a certain poetic justice to Maeve being able to figure out a thing in five minutes it's taken dolores the whole season to figure out well not five minutes it's just much harder to do it's because Maeve isn't dealing with something of the same size i mean she's dealing with something that's like the size of like i don't know a few square miles but the basically the idea is that she's doing the same thing and yeah, she's doing the same do thing a bigger thing on and, a larger scale and if i have one prediction for this i think what you're going to see is is you're going to see the rehoboam circle i think you're going to see a direct line cut across it and that will be rehoboam snapping an at like i think it's going to you'll see you're going to see a horizontal line drawn across the circle 
And that will be Dolores having broken the loop. And that will break the stimulation. And we're going to see, and that's when we're going to get all of our answers. Because the first description for the, the description for the first episode was if you want to break a loop, draw a straight line. I think that's what we're going to see. All right. I'm into that. I'm into that. I think that's, uh, so put that on the big board too. I mean, I do think that, that, that there's a, I was rewatching episode one specifically because of that boardroom scene, but then I kept watching and watching and it was like every scene has this sort of like symbolic resonance. Like I feel like the whole thing is there, to, the, that its whole thing is there to be seen, but it's just a little bit blurry right now. So I like that idea that whatever that episodes one and two are sort of the key to the whole season. They certainly have been in previous seasons. The show, man, this is ridiculous. Bobby, you still with us? I'm right there with you guys. I just wrote down the la- that last point on the build, uh, on the whiteboard, which is: Will the simulation completely fail or not? I think it has to. I think the second episode of the season will look bizarre in retrospect if this isn't. And also, they'll have to ex- answer a lot of questions about why scenes with Dolores and Caleb randomly went from nighttime to getting breakfast, and why there were all these freaking continuity errors, and why. Again, how could it not be in a simulation? We already saw it's possible, and we just saw Charlotte wear a, the same outfit to two different versions of the same meeting. Like, how on earth could this not be a simulation? As crazy as it's, you sound, I sound every time I mention it, we know it's going to happen. So Yeah. Well, I think it's sort of inevitable. I think it's just like, once you, we start pinning down what we think's about to happen, then the mechanics start coming into question, and that's... I don't know. That's almost too much. And I, I think the question again is why the fuck did John me exist? Why did they write him into this show, season? Why is he complicating all of this? And I, I do wonder again, I think that something that would make a lot of things click into place is that Solomon versus Rehoboam is the little brother, younger brother story of artificial intelligence. I think that that could be a really interesting way to look at it. And honestly, like answer a lot of these questions and therefore salvage the season. I think that would be great. Yeah, I also I very agree. practical reader email. Okay. This one is from Eleanor. Are Sorak's bodyguards just out of practice? <laughs> Sorak has managed to tightly control the world so effectively that his team hasn't needed to confront unforeseen attacks. Until the arrival of hosts, his bodyguards would mostly be window dressing without much to do. That, or they all attended the Imperial Stormtrooper Marksmanship Academy. I think, Elo- I think Eleanor nailed it. I said this almost exactly on a previous pod, that there's no respect for protocol among humans in this world. They just don't, there's no teamwork going on in the entire world of That's not what Eleanor's saying. Eleanor's saying that they don't have to do anything. They don't have to, they've just been resting on their laurels. They get paid to follow them around and look intimidating. That's the point that I'm making. Serac is no Bill Belichick. (laughs) They don't have their roles. Do your job. Practice. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, this is, this is one of those things where this this is why we get a little frustrated with the show because we don't really know the terms of of debate of combat of of uh, perception it's totally fine if the answer is like they are stormtroopers right they're red shirts or whatever their point is to just go out there and kind of like fill a contractually obligated role and get blown up but it could be that this whole that all of the that uh, that their inadequacy their poor marksmanship that everything else is part of some grander vision that can be <laughs> explained away by a series of overlapping realities that's like frustrating to even have to like talk about but whatever we'll we'll find out on sunday hey it's bill simmons i wanted to tell you about a new podcast on the ringer podcast network that we are launching this week it's called tv concierge 
It's only available on Spotify. These are 12 to 15 minute mini podcasts that review the latest TV shows streaming on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, HBO, Showtime, FX, Apple TV, wherever else. We'll preview new shows that are launching. We'll break down the biggest shows that just launched. We'll review the biggest binge watch seasons that drop as they happen. It's our new TV concierge podcast from the Ringer Podcast Network. Think of it like a little bit of a playlist. Pick and choose the ones you want to listen to. It's available only on Spotify. Let's do some nuggets, some Reddit out of context. And David, I'm going to put an EMP to your head and you can put an EMP to my head. And I want to like lock us down for some predictions at the end here. So a couple nuggets. Basically, the graffiti on the building and what his first telling of the story is in Russian and the second one is in English. Just like the, all the set pieces of, around that whole story changed throughout. It's just uh, just kind of pretty to look at. Um, the can opener reference that I love so much. I forgot. Someone pointed out from iRobot when Will Smith is like, they're can openers, which great movie, iRobot. Um, the forearm, when Dolores's arm gets blown up, shout out to... a. Reddit user whose name I will not say. Uh, when Dolores's arm gets blown, like blown off, there it, that is like directly foreshadowed, forearm shadowed in the opening credits because the one of the bodies that's swimming, the angle is like the arms pointing to the ground, but you can't see the left arm, which is what Dolores has got blown off. So you, if you watch the opening credits, you'll see that oh wow, like it, one of the, them just doesn't have a forearm in view. So I thought that was a good little nugget. And then same with the credits that the names of Clementine and Hanario came back in this episode. That's all I got for the Nuggets. All right, you ready? I, I got two to start you out with some canonical white authors here to start. And I have you to out defend with. no matter what. Yeah, I mean the, it's less defending and more just thinking out loud. Oh, I'll think I'll okay. Uh, Reddit user Rhett Liffy says I have finished reading Notes from Underground by Dostoevsky recently. Oh, that was just the post. On Reddit. That was the Great, title. Right, now, Absolutely. This per- who's this person that's speaking my language? Let's do this. Uh, hell yeah. Maybe Shoemaker should take this one. Hi, Fitz. Are you, are you up on Dostoevsky recently? Fuck yeah, I'm up on Notes from Underground. Are you kidding me? <laughs> two plus two is five, baby. Let's go. Well, Shoemaker's well read as well. More, How does more, this work he's, in the West? David Bookmaker, universe. really. Is there, is there a question connected to this, or are we just saying that we've, that we were just talking about the are book? We're just talking about Dostoevsky. What's going on here? It's literally that is literally just the title. Read it out of context, guys. Oh, I have finished man, reading Notes oh, from Underground by Dostoevsky recently. Dude, great fucking book. And dot dot dot. That was the uh Ooh. Um, I mean, this is literally like a twelve hundred word article on Reddit. Really? With um, this title. Damn. I have not this is this is crazy. The is it, first twenty this pages is notes from the of notes from underground Caleb, Caleb are the, the hardest twenty pages. Like the actual page is the hardest page to get through I've ever read in my life. Yeah, I mean Caleb. Caleb's monologue in episode one is basically the, the like the opening of notes of the underground. That's from the sorry notes from underground. Should I throw you something easier to understand? This comes from Corin Tinif. Parallels between Foucault's ideas and Westworld season three. <laughs> <laughs> Foucault is not my cup. Martin is not my bag. Uh, I'll leave that one to Heifetz. Yeah, I'm, I was gonna. I'll toss it right back to you, hot potato. Yeah, we can't just. We're just passing this one around the arc all day long until we get a shot clock violation. Because <laughs> I'll take the violation. Heifetz, this one is for you. I feel like this user is either you or listens to Westworld read it out of context and wanted to just throw you an alley oop here. 
Solomon's plan on Westworld could be explained by Bible. This comes from user Dolores Abernathy 001. It's my burner. Keep going. <laughs> the return of Teddy, Dolores's endgame. I mean, first of all, that's I, so in order. The Bible one, I mean, yeah, it's a creation story for artificial intelligence. That's what Westworld is actually about. It's like they dress it up as cowboys and ponies so people would turn on HBO and then they're like, plot twist, we're telling you the story of another species that's being created. To the second one, Dolores' endgame literally is Teddy because literally the second season begins, first episode, her and Teddy overlooking the same spot with the cattle as she had been in before and says, I know how this story ends. It ends with you and me, Teddy. So like that's literally Dolores would agree. This final one, this comes from Baby Blue 3, all caps, You're my boy, unpopular opinion, Team Rehoboam. Rehoboam did nothing wrong. I've been saying that all season. Is this like, is this like how Sonny Bunch wrote that thing in the Washington Post? It's like there's no proof that Darth Vader and the Empire are the bad guys in Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, exactly the same. I'm not saying Rehoboam was right, <laughs> but... Uh, People suck, and we're the most... The most murderous species the Earth has ever seen. The only thing worse than us. Well, is I the think this season's only proving it, right? I mean, if, if Rehoboam did what Rehoboam had set out to do, then we wouldn't be having any of these problems. I mean, it's done decent. Yeah, we got to hear both sides. You guys we are big hear, 1984 fans. We got to hear all countless sides of the of the simulation. Ten trillion sides must be heard. All right, hyphen, draw us a straight line through this simulation and get us out of here. What's the last thing we're doing? All right, I'm putting an EMP to your heads. I'm going to hit the button. Uh, yes or no? Is the Charlotte in simulation? One of them. Um, yes. Is the Charlotte with the dog the one in the simulation? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. I don't know why this is so hard, but yes. I think is. the dog is the key to the whole thing. I think that the dog Charlotte is the fake Charlotte. Is Sorak was not? Is Sorak a real person? Was Sorak ever a real person? Yes or no? No. So you think it was creation of one of the AI or creation? I, mean, I don't think that with a hundred percent certainty, but I definitely like that's that's where I'm. That's where my head is right now. It's EMP of the head. Yeah, he 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 does not exist. Is Caleb connected to Jeanme? Like, is he a version of Jeanme? Yeah, there there is a connection. I don't know if he's a version of Jeanme, but certainly is yes. Caleb a simulated version, a failed simulation of the the AI's attempt to recreate William? No. I think he's not related to Jean-Mi, and I think he is uh, a simulated version of William. Gun to my head. Can we talk really quickly about William's last name? Oh. Well, so this is a perfect note to end on. One of the low-key strangest parts of Westworld is that everybody has a last name except for the central character of William. Like, the, the, the hosts all have last names. The billionaire philanthropist who owns the park does not have a last name, which is such a capital C choice to the point that it has to have such a resonance that they've been holding it back from us, right? So literally, if you just go to the list of characters in Westworld on your chosen website and you just look at every single one of which one would be worth a reveal that would be worth keeping it from us from three seasons, I think there's only one name that actually would be interesting that they haven't named him yet. Go I think on. I think it's Nichols. Which I wonder Caleb's if his last na name Caleb's last name. I wonder if his name is William Nichols. And that the simulation's gotten everything about Caleb project trying to figure out William literally from birth. They've gotten everything about him wrong. I mean, we, we've gone this long without knowing his name. I think it's totally feasible that we're not going to find out his name. 
I think uh, we might see his dad in the childhood bedroom again. Oh, and it's a different face. And we're going to go back there. And I think that the dad, I think Caleb's dad, or sorry, Caleb's mom who abandoned him and William's dad, who was yelling at him in the bedroom. I think that those might be from the same memories. I think that those might be, I don't know. It might be the same person. It's interesting. I just feel like I'd be so disappointed if it was something that straightforward, but maybe not. Maybe they'll find a beautiful way to do it. I do think it's, I mean, obviously it's interesting that the man, that William, AKA the man in black doesn't have a last name. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but I guess here's the, here's my thought process. Clearly some, like there, people have been suggesting that he's, that, that William is like the missing Ciroc brother or that he's somehow is connected to those people. That would uh, suck. That's one of the popular online theories. I'll just say this. We're talking, we don't know William's name. I think we should, we, we, we take it for granted that, that the characters in Westworld know William's last name. Right? Yeah. Like, this is a mystery to us as viewers, but I'm guessing that you don't win a humanitarian of the year award and they're just like, everybody, it's William, as if like this is like he's a one named superstar. William is Seal. Yeah. <laughs> well, or he's Will I Am, which I guess would probably be closer to that. But if he has a real last name, it is implausible that he is the mystery Ciroc brother because nobody in the world would be just like, wait, you, William Ciroc, helped out this other Ciroc? That's, that's mind-boggling. No, they would just be like, oh, you gave some shit to your brother. He wouldn't even ask for the money, you know? And by the way, William called him like a French fuck at one point, so I'm not sure. That, that would be a little bit odd if uh, he was talking about his flesh and blood. So I don't believe that, they're, that that's the case. But is but so but but there is this mystery last name. Who knows if that's going to be decided? Or, you know, if we're going to understand that by the end of episode eight, or if we're just going to keep the last name reveal dragged out for five more seasons. But if it is revealed, it does feel like the only name from this season that has any sort of weight would be Nichols. The only that one I am. It's a hunch, but I am lock me in. The dog was a simulation. Lock it in. I will go down on that ship. The dog wasn't real. I'm going out on that. How do you feel, Bobby? Did we cover everything? I don't know which way is up. And this was probably our longest tinfoil episode, but it, I feel like that's only fitting heading into the final episode. I mean, it's heading into the finale. It's like, yeah. you know, what? Like, like, yeah. Well, I don't feel good. I got to tell you that. I feel like we failed to crack the code. And that was our job. That was our one job. We're as bad as Let's go back. Can we go back to the big board actually, for two actually, seconds? Well, no, no. We don't need an answer. You said you feel like you don't even know the question. So that's the actual thing I want. This what is what is I want to This is what I want to do. This is the last question. Can you read over everything on the big board real quick, Bobby? Because here's yeah. the question I want to answer. If the finale only answers one question, what Which is it going to be? Which one do you be? want it to be? Yeah. Well, okay. read, read them again. Is Charlotte in a simulation slash have we been watching simulations? Who slash what? is Ciroc slash is he a real fucking person as Danny said is he a real fucking guy what is the relationship between Caleb and William why does Caleb matter what is Dolores going to do what is success for her and will the simulation completely fail or not this is really easy for me I think that of all those things of which other like if you're going to learn one thing and the rest are hangers going into season four is Sorak a real person slash is Rehoboam Sorak? I look at those as the, as the same question, like Rehoboam becoming a character mm-hmm. with motivations and goals and, and desires that has to be established, whether it's a thing or not, because then everything else is intriguing going into season four, 
But Rehoboam becoming this character to me is the one thing I want. Like, does Rehoboam have opinions? Is it a, is it the MacGuffin or is it a character? I feel like that's almost. I feel like that's the MacGuffin. I think I'm trying to think. I'm trying to imagine what which of these big questions could easily subsume all the other questions. And I guess they're all sort of on equal footing. I, I think Rehoboam, because it's like it's kind of like if you think about like Avengers, I'm thinking of like the biggest. It, it's like if one, it's all the Affinity Stones. Turns out the Gauntlet was running Thanos this ho- the whole time. That's kind of what we're talking about here. And I think that that every other question is subservient to that. It's like what the hell does that thing want? That to me is interesting. If it turns out, oh, that was that, Rehoboam's been in charge the whole time. Sirach doesn't exist. It's built by Solomon. But like, because really, all I'm saying here is that John Me built Solomon. Solomon built Rehoboam and the Rehoboam was like, you guys suck. Yeah. You guys, I'm way better than you. I'm a better version of you. I'm locking you up and I'm locking John me up and you guys and Sirach is his quote unquote big brother. But it's like Sirach is his projection of Rehoboam. Rehoboam has just been running society this whole time. Like they've gone all their way out of the way to be like, no one knows how it works. And it's like, it's its own thing. It's like, it, I, I think that that's the, the big question. Is that the case? Is, has Rehoboam have its own mind? So Can I say one more thing like? about Caleb? It's totally off subject. Hit me. Also rewatching, there are all those scenes when Caleb meets Liam Dempsey Jr. And Liam Dempsey Jr. is just like, you don't know who you are? And the, the implication seems to be, like when you watch it under the assumption that he's a no good murderer, and Caleb's like, I mean, sorry, and Liam Dempsey's just like, you don't even know that you're a murderer. It makes sense. I think if they're what they were going for is, you don't know that you are the creator of Rehoboam, that scene is just really bizarre. Right. Or you don't know that you are like somehow personality connected to the creator of Rehoboam. That seems like a really weird way for Liam Dempsey Jr. to well, react. Yeah, we don't need to trust what Liam says. Liam literally says in the first episode of Dolores, he's like, my father sketched it out in 15 over a one long weekend. Took him 15 years to build. And it's like, that's not true. He's just trying to impress Dolores. Yeah. So I don't know. OK. So I think, I'm, yeah, I guess I think maybe you're right. I just don't know. I think that there has to be a human component to it. And I'm saying this in a show that's completely about artificial intelligence. But I feel like if the show is about the battle between Solomon and Rehoboam or Rehoboam being a cognizant being, it almost has to be, doesn't it sort of have to manifest in a battle between Sirach and Caleb or some sort of like, some sort of, Caleb is actually, Caleb represents Solomon and Sirach represents Rehoboam or something. I just feel like yeah, that I sort of I, reveal has to be humanized. Yes, I think that Sirach is Sirach is and Rehoboam are on one side, and I think Dolores and Caleb and Solomon are on the other. And what the relationship between Solomon and these characters is, is an open debate. Whether Caleb is a, a, the avatar of Sol. I mean, in one way, it's like, the, you know, it's this is like a profile and Sirach is just a little avatar on your Xbox or whatever. And maybe Caleb's just that for Solomon too. I, I, the specifics of Caleb's re- nat- the nature of his relationship to William, the nature of his relationship to Solomon, I'm not sure. But if I had the question is, is this Sirach versus Dolores and Caleb, or is this Rehoboam and Sirach versus Caleb and Dolores and Solomon? That's what I want to know. I want to know the who's on which side. That's the question to me. I guess I'm trying. I guess I think that the most central question is the one about timelines. With Charlotte, but just timelines in general. Only because if that is, if there, if we have in fact been watching all these different uh, Rehoboam just re, just try to re, try to create reality time after time after time, and there's all these differences and errors. 
sort of minimizes the entire season. I mean, the biggest problem with the whole season is that there's been no stakes, right? I mean, that there've been, Maeve gets gutted and then she's back the next episode and we don't know what's real and what's not and what we're watching and how much of it, I mean, what, we don't care about half the characters because they're all brand new and Soraku's the big bad guy, seems to be made out of pixels. <laughs> we just, then what, the reveal is we just watched seven episodes of like B-roll? I don't know. I think, I think to me that's the most central question because whether the way they pull that off I think it's true, and the way they pull that off is the basis for everything else to make sense. But anyway. I go back to, again, Jonathan Nolan made The Prestige, and The Prestige is about magicians, and it's a thinly veiled movie about writing. And I think The Prestige is a movie that shows how Jonathan Nolan views writing. It's about pulling off a magic trick. The first part's the pledge where you show something seemingly ordinary. The second part is you make the ordinary do something extraordinary, whether it's just make something disappear. And then Michael Clay Kane has this whole rant and he's like you can't but no one's gonna clap yet no one's clapping because you ha- can't just make something disappear you have to bring it back and that's the prestige it's the hardest part we are right now at the point where the audience something's missing all these balls are in the air something's missing and no one's clapping yet because they have to bring it back but if anyone gets that it's jonathan nolan so i actually do have a little faith that all these balls are going to get caught i have faith that this will that they will stick the landing more beautifully than it seems like they're going to stick the landing right now. So that, so let's call that faith. I mean, I think it could, it could all wrap up and be something amazing. I hope, I hope that when we are back here for the final tinfoil Tuesday, we're doing one more of these, right? I sure hope so. So when we're back here a week from today, discussing what happened in, in the finale for the second time, I hope that we are like, we have already done a binge watch again of seasons one, two and three, because we are so compelled by what happened in episode eight to make sense of everything and that it was so ber- perfectly tied off. That said, man, it sure does feel like eight episodes is not enough. This is going to have to be some sort of crazy triple Lutz. I guess we're actually go back to the juggling metaphor, but yeah, this is going to have to be a hell of a multi-ball catch and throw and a series of throws as well to make it perfect. But well, but they very well may do it at the end of the day. Westworld, I don't know what the recap, what Westworld's about, but the recapable's Westworld is all about balls. Um, we will be back a little bit later than usual. We'll be back on Monday with our reaction to the finale, episode eight, season three. We'll be back on, we will be, be doing that episode on Monday, midday, early afternoon sometime. And then we'll be back, as always, on Wednesday for Tinfoil Tuesdays. Thank you for bearing with us. Thank you, uh, Bobby Wagner. Thank you, Danny Heifetz. Um, let's, uh, let's hit that EMP and go take a nap. Charlotte's dog was a simulation. Email us at, uh, threecapitalswestworld at gmail.com. In case I didn't already say that, we'll talk to you guys soon. Here we go.